With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to... Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. If it's a Monday, you know what we're doing on this show. Another ATP Challenger breakdown from our friends, hosts Damian Kust and Jakob Barbaro. On today's show, they discuss Talon Greekspor's record-setting year at the Challenger level. They talk about Holger Rune's chase for the top 100, name their favorites at the upcoming next-gen finals, and so much more. It is another fantastic episode that I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. Of course, if you're looking for recaps of this weekend's action in Paris, hop on over to our mini break podcast feed if you're looking for recaps of this past weekend's ITA women's and men's singles and doubles competition at the National Fall Championships. Rest assured, we'll be covering all of that. We'll cover the Midland 125K, the Charlottesville Challenger as well on tomorrow's podcast with the GOAT Colette Lewis. So a lot of fun content down the pipelines for us here at Crack Rackets. We have you covered for the home stretch of this 2021 season, but with all of that that said, let's get right to it. Another ATP Challenger episode from our friends, hosts Damian Kuss and Jakob Bobro. Westoff, roll those credits. Let's get to today's show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, hey, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger Two Podcast. Uh, I am once again joined by my friend Jakub, who's uh, here to talk uh, talk with me about five events that we've had and preview five events. So another busy week for for us here. Where do you want to start? I think that the only place that we can start is Tenerife, where yep. we had Talon oh. Greeks where beat Feliciano Lopez to break the old the the, the record for titles in a season, winning a seventh title of 2021 10th overall he beat lopez 6-4-6-4 in the final uh it takes him up 16 spots to number 72 on the run he also beat ergi kirkin jan bondarevsky out of chile bilik and fernando betasco so let's talk about greeks for amazing run uh amazing year what did you think yeah i mean was it the toughest uh, i guess yeah yeah not, 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 not the toughest yeah but then again, Verdasco had some really good moments in the semis. Charik Bilak is obviously very dangerous in hard courts. And I mean, hard courts. Talon Kriegspor played like only a couple events outside clay this year. That was actually his second hard court challenger of the season. Uh, by the way, Talon Kriegspor keeps liking my tweets about him. So 
shout out to him if he's listening probably not but you know uh, <laughs> he seems to be really invested in that record by the way he retweeted like five posts from from some different accounts about his uh, you know his history with uh, s uh, seven instead of yeah seven instead <laughs> of s uh it's great to see honestly i i if, i don't know i i don't think he's gonna be in helsinki but if i if i bump into him at some at some event i'm definitely gonna ask him how important that that record was for him uh because we i, I remember we were talking about that maybe maybe for bonzi it's not gonna be that and uh, that that vital maybe, maybe just having a challenger record isn't that big but it seems like for greek sport it's just absolutely huge and we, we obviously love to see it uh 21 matches won in the in a row right now uh, the last loss came to Novak Djokovic, so who can blame him for that? Uh, incredible. I mean, since the beginning of May, he's gone 35-3 on the Challenger Tour, which <laughs> seven titles and three first-round exits. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I'm, I, I, I do wonder, uh, like obviously, this was a great week in Tenerife. Tenerife, by the way, looking, looking at it, watching it, it's become like one of my like top destinations for going to a tennis event there. Like it looks so amazing. The palm trees, it's like right next to the beach. It looks <laughs> it looks very fun to go to as a as a tennis event. Uh but yeah, obviously he's he's in the Bratislava draw. I'm not sure if he's going to play. Uh I I guess we'll see. Or or if he's going to play, he's going to lose first round, as he sometimes has after after winning a title. That'll be interesting to see. But Lopez, I didn't really expect him to get here, to be honest. <laughs> Because he's played a couple of challengers this year, it's not been great. Lost to Grenier, obviously twice. Um, but yeah, he he beats Vercina, Ferreira, Silva, Peniston, and Kuznetsov to get to this final. What did you make of Lopez making his first challenger final since Bogota in two thousand and eleven? Yeah, and first since Ternik forty. And it, it's been some time since he actually made the final and anything else than grass. Uh, so I mean, very cool to see him there. He seemed kind of, you know kind of tired in the final like i guess it's <laughs> not not actual tiredness but just you know just being, being old. old yeah exactly and i mean not not everyone but even 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 ivo karlovic he he made it done was uh, fourth round uh, after turning 40 and since then it's been pretty much downhill it's gonna it's really hard to play at that age but it's it's great to see him here as we mentioned last week he uh, and, and, and right now he only lost to Hugo grenier in the past two events so with grenier out of the picture he he had the chance to shine when losing to Greek sport. I mean, who doesn't lose to Greek sport on the Challenger Tour this year? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mentioned it before, but I also wanted to highlight Kuznetsov making the semifinals, beat Gianu, Haliz, and Joao Souza. I thought, I thought it was a very good week for him. Um, and I'm excited to, to hopefully see more of him on the Challenger Tour. He's been playing some ITFs. He played an ITF last week, I think. Uh, yeah, in Nur so, Sultan yeah. and then later something else. Yeah, he he he's yeah. Been, so, so I'm very very hopeful of of what he can bring uh, next season. Did you have anything else for Tenerife? Probably not. Uh, Greek sport was definitely the main story and what everyone was looking at as he was four matches away from the from history. He's he's seven, Tori, uh, three matches and then <laughs> and then yeah and then as it goes, yeah. Um, all right, let's take it to Bergamo, where Holger Rune beat Cem Ilkel, 7-5, 7-6 to win the title. 
his fourth challenger title um, in his career. And obviously they were all this year. Um, he's up nine spots to number 109, just 29 points away from the top 100. Uh, he's playing the next gen finals though. So I don't know if he's playing anything after that, but we'll, we'll, we'll see if we, if we see him here again, uh, beat two Slovak guys, uh, en route to that final, uh, Horansky and Molchan and also Borg in the first round and Junho in the quarterfinals. What did you make of Holger Rune? Yeah, such a tough week. I mean, after we, we just said he was pretty much overplaying and probably already fatigued uh, and not yeah. going to do much for the rest of the year, he somehow came through all these tough ones against Horansky, then, then that tiebreak against Dumhur. And against Molchan, honestly, he seemed totally out. He was struggling physically, uh, down 3 1 in the semis. And I don't know if he would have won if, he, if if the final went free. And he had to really work to make sure that doesn't. I mean, Ilkal would you know, just what definitely wasn't a pushover. He just gave him a very tough challenge. The the two sets lasted way way more than two hours. Ilkal led five two in the second. Uh, had a set point also. Runa also in the first one he had a lot of chances to break then to break back. Uh, such a tough run for, for Rune that I wonder if that's going to give him momentum for the next-gen finals or, or if that's going to kill him, actually. But uh, I guess we're just going to have to see. But he's super close to his goal of reaching the top 100 right now, like 30 points away. And I, I remember he was... Uh, I actually have to check which, but he was signed up for some challengers after the next-gen finals as well. Uh, yeah, point and body which is honestly, again, he probably shouldn't be playing this, but if he wants to make Australian Open main draw, he, he needs to. And honestly, he's so close to doing that right now that maybe it's actually worth it to play one or, one or two more. Yeah, I mean, as long as he can stay healthy through those two weeks and, and hopefully cobble together enough wins to to make that uh, Australian Open main draw. But yeah, it, it, it'll be a tough situation for him after such a monster year to start to play the qualities. Um, yeah, uh, Ilkel breaks into the top 150 for the first time in his career, up 13 spots, beat Kotov, Albot, Brody, and Marojan. Did you have any thoughts on Cem Ilkel this week? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be a serious question right now. Who's got more potential, Ilkel or Cem Bilek? The whole year he's been sort of overshadowed by by his countrymen, but I mean he's he, um, this this week had a very good run. Uh, the win over Brody caught me off guard. Uh, then Maroshan, whom whom we also have to mention because he was yeah. I was actually looking at at tennis abstract. There's that page where's there uh, the best ATP players who haven't done something like win a title, a Grand Slam semi, etc. And there's also there was also a section uh, a challenger match win I think and a challenger main draw maybe uh, appearance in uh, in total in overall and Fabian mm. Maroshan was leading the, both categories as the highest ranked player who hasn't played a challenger and hasn't won a match in a challenger so I guess that's yeah that's it <laughs> I mean he he he, debu he debuted and he debuted fantastically like that that's that that run was insane. Uh, especially the win over Denis Novak, obviously. Uh, he's yeah, very... we, we both picked Novak for the title. Uh, oh, we did, in, in yes. Uh, 
What was the first event we we talked about? Tenerife, where we got a point. Yeah, yes. we, we we both picked Greek for we both got it. Yeah, we yeah. didn't. We I didn't mean, like, like the first the first two wins, I I don't rate Milojevic super high. I don't I don't know why. It's just it's just something where I look at him and I'm like, nah, nah. I'm not really that into Milojevic. Uh, and Stakovsky is obviously very much at the end of his career. But the win over Novak, I was very impressed. That that, that that's when I sort of really sat up and paid attention. We also had Zdenik Kolaj get yet another doubles title um, in, in Bergamo with Jirji Lehechka, still undefeated as a team. Um, so, yeah, what second are event or Second event? Or? Yeah, yes, it's a second, Poznan, second, yeah. second, second event, second title. Okay. Uh, they're also playing Becky Sala together. But yeah, do, do, do we have anything else from Bergamo? Uh, probably not. Maybe I'll just say a word, uh, not about the challenger tour this time, because our uh, Milojevic made me think of Andrea Vavasori, who we <laughs> we always you know said that he should play more singles, and he actually qualified for Stockholm this week, uh, defeating Milojevic. That's why he, that's why it made me think of him <laughs> and uh, Nino Serdarusic. And it's actually pretty hilarious because he played server volley after first and second serve. Uh, wow. And he just received a fantastic chance because he drew Pavel Kotov in the in the opening round. So there's actual chances that Andrea Vavasori would reach the second round in Stockholm. So, I mean, uh, yeah, it's probably worth watching for, for if, guy you, who, if you love it. Yeah, yeah. For, for a guy who barely played any events in singles to... to such a rise this year it's really great to see Shapovalov in the second round if he wins (laughs) well I mean I guess we'll see how seriously Shapovalov is going to take (laughs) Stockholm I mean he's lost to Kopchiva this year he won it Uh, two years ago right Uh, yeah yeah I think so so. his first title I think anyhow uh, yeah we can jump to another event I guess Uh, yeah let's let's finish up Europe in Ekental where Daniel Masur beat Maxime Cressy, our pick for the title, 6-4-6-4. His second challenger title both this year. He's really not done much outside of those two challenger titles this year. Um, But yeah, he's at 37 spots, number 204. Um, He's very close to breaking the top 200 for the first time in his career. Beat uh, Oscar Ota, Mirza Basic, Ramkumara Ramanathan, and Marc-Andre Hisler en route to the final. Um, yeah, what did you make of Masur this week? Yeah, I mean, it's so rare to win two challenger titles and still don't break the top 200. I mean, he's got a yeah. great chance to do it in the in the next weeks, or uh, obviously, but uh, he's he's amassed 15 first round exits this year and still won two titles. But I mean, the the form he was in this year this week, like besides that set he lost to Ote, last week's champion, so obviously not not a shame. He was, I, I believe, in the whole event, he, he only lost his serve once in that second set to Ota. And it, it, I think it's like 52 out of 53 holes. And his return was insane. And th- these are probably the most important things on carpet, just, just yeah. mastering these two shots. Uh, both games he broke, Cressy in, in, the, in the finals featured like a couple of return winners. He was just connecting with every single every single ball it would seem and uh there there were some hiccups there at the end but he saved a couple of breakpoints his forehead looked great uh i definitely didn't expect that going into the final i think cressy had some sort of physical issues in the semis against um thomas Mahaj. uh but 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 i mean it's still cressy he's he can still 
make it work despite you know despite some fitness issues so i i, I definitely expected Cressy to take that one masur all just always comes out of nowhere and just, just like in that biela uh, four i think it was uh in march when he defeated buckinger yeah, I mean, um, it, it, that's a very strong point because usually when, when you think of fast surfaces like, like grass or, or carpet, you do really think about the serve, but the, the return is such a huge part of it, especially like it made me realize watching Lotsko in that final last week that like when he couldn't get going, he couldn't get anything going on the return. I was like, the return is really like really important on the surface because if, if you're not getting it, then then it's very tough to to, to get into the game. Uh, and as you said, Masur was really great. Cressy, I really thought Cressy was taking this title as he was making his way through the draw. Uh, unfortunately, just fell short for us. Beat Hayates, Blancano, Vesely, and Mahach. And he's uh, number 128, which is, to me, so high. Uh, I really wasn't expecting it because, uh, he, I mean, he's, he's had a good couple of weeks here, semi and final. And uh, he, he had some strong slam performances, but outside of that, he's done very little on the Challenger Tour. <laughs> like in the Challenger Tour, he seems insanely low, uh, even after these two runs. Um, yeah, we should probably mention Dominic Stefan Stricker, who made the quarterfinals, beat Rodionov, beat Kopil. Um, yeah, anything else from I can tell? Um, yeah, I guess we could also uh, say a word about Mats Rosenkrantz, who played Jordan Thompson in the in the first round. Obviously, we we kind of figured it was upset alert, and and it was. I mean, he came two points away, uh, but cool to see him doing well again. I think he's also playing Ortisay, right? So, so maybe maybe he's gonna keep overperforming on these on these faster surfaces. Um, yeah, let's go to Guayaquil. Oh, he, he lost yesterday to an Italian wildcard, Marcello Serafini. Uh, that's that's rough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know the guy, sorry. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> even even in that Muller um, only captive run, right? He Rosenkrantz saved four match points in, in the final qualifying round against Shimon Valkov, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he's very... Uh, Doubt but it, it comes to stuff like this, that was a very puzzling run. Uh, in Muero, look up teeth anyway. Let's go to Guayaquil, where Alejandro Tabilo beat Jesper de Jong 6175 for his first challenger title. Uh, he's up 29 spots, breaks into the top one of 150 for the first time at number 140. He started with beating Javi Munar, uh, then beat Darian King. Uh, Goncalo Oliveira and Thiago Siposhvild before beating the in the final. What did you make of Tabilo? I mean, he's been sort of an unsung hero of this season. I feel like he's he's really improved. But even though that he made that final in Lexington, I feel like no one's really talking about him. I was honestly super surprised to see him this uh, this far up in the rankings. So I guess I fell uh, victim to that, that that sort of trend of underestimating Tabilo as well. But he he had like a perfect week, honestly. Some of the level he had he he showcased to beat Munard, and he by the way his best ever win ranking wise. Also the the, the second tiebreak against Sablefield was excellent, uh, and the final uh, until six one four two he was practically unplayable. Then then he had you know that that, that weird hiccup. Where the young served for the second set, but still, without he won that title without losing a set, and it was 
you know, as dominant as it gets, I, I am really excited to try him out against some some of the players that have succeeded on this South American circuit so far, but weren't actually in Guayaquil because that was the one where he had a a couple of names missing, also a couple of names going out early, like uh, Serendolo or Francisco Serendolo and Ed Baez. So obviously Baez and uh, Juan Manuel Serendolo aren't going to be there next week, but I mean, there's a pretty yeah. good chance that Tabilo and that Tabilo is going to bump into some of them in the in the weeks to come and and that's what i'm really excited about um yeah the, but bias was your pick for the title man was echeveri who lost to De Jong in, in the semis um yeah it, it was somebody else that we should mention say Boschfield, who well i mean it should be a discussion whether he should or should not be playing right now uh due to the uh, domestic abuse allegations that he's facing in brazil uh, but he's playing, uh, and he's he, he reached, he's reached his best uh, result of the year that semifinal. Um, so so that was certainly interesting to see. Um, yeah, anything else on Guayaquil? Uh, you had that Javeri also, which I don't think we mentioned. Yeah. Who, who lost in the semis to the young? Kind of took me by surprise. I figured that Javeri was the strongest player left in the event, probably. Uh, still hasn't really hit that peak form from that he had in Italy in the summer. Uh, Save mm. of Wilt was excellent. I thought uh, some of some of the ball striking this week was just very very easily reminding me of that. I don't know, maybe not yet the the ATP title, but some you know Exxon Provence last year or something like that. He was he was really excellent for the most part. Uh, there there was something else, but I cannot remember it right now. Oh Jesus. Uh, oh, yes, I wanted to say that Jesper de Jong had, a, had saved a match point in the first round, uh, which was pretty cool to see him go see him go that far and have that demolition over Delian, for example. Uh, it was a long rally as well and, and, and a weird match, honestly. Like Andreozzi was up 6-3-5-2, uh, then de Jong pulled it back to, to a tiebreak, leveled the match, and Andreozzi retired citing fatigue, I think. Uh, it was kind of weird for him not to not to try there. At least at least from the stream, he didn't seem that hampered. Anyhow, uh, yeah, I guess we can. I guess we can go to Charlottesville. Uh, yes, yeah, Charlottesville, where Stefan Kozlov beat Alexander Vukic, your pick, in the final six two six three. His fifth challenge title, second of the year after Columbus, he gets to re-enter the top two hundred at number one hundred eighty-eight. Going up 36 spots, he beat Fertangelo, Kubler, Nava, and Wolf. What did you make of Stefan Kozlov this week? In the whole summer, he's been so excellent. Uh, it seems like his serve has really improved, and it's like you know, just giving him a lot of free points. Also, I mean, he, he's he's a great talent. That's no no one can really dispute that. Uh, but he's had a couple of just awful years uh, and it's cool to see him do that i think there's also that wildcard challenge for for the uh, for the australian open and, and he's yes, probably yeah. in, a, in a prime position to 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 take it right now although obviously there are still a couple of a couple of events left to play uh i i i was definitely expecting more from that final 
it just seemed like such a fun contrast of styles, although I kind of suspected that Vukic doesn't really react well to opponents who play like Kozlov, you know, sort of make you uncomfortable, don't 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 let you play your usual powerful game. But but I was mm. I was sort of disappointed with how easy it was for Kozlov. His he his performance on serve as well, both on breakpoints and in general, just his serve plus one play for a player who isn't powerful who doesn't have that set of weapons that Vukic has for example or I don't know, any other of his opponents Wolf, Nava, Kubler, Fertangelo he was just cleaning up everything and then uh, I was absolutely stunned by how well Stefan Kozlov played again ever since he he you know he got that more consistent schedule around June he's been he's been absolutely fantastic and uh, fully deserving to to play the Australian Open qualies or the or the main draw if he if he gets the wild card. Uh, yep, uh, Vukic also uh, had a lovely week as you mentioned. Beat Popko, Wu, my pick in the quarterfinals, Jack Sock and Braden Schnur. I also wanted to highlight JJ Wolf, uh, his semifinal run, who I actually thought might have been a favorite at the semifinal stage. Um, beat Dam, Kudla, Kvyatkovsky. He was the only guy to take a set off of Kozlov this week. Uh, we also had Emilio Nava beat Pospisil in, in the in the first round, uh, which was pretty big, and then followed up with a win over Gosoida. And Blumberg and Schnur uh, won again, which was uh, very interesting. Now two weeks in a row. Anything else from Charlottesville? Uh, yeah, I mean, just just about the guys that you said. I mean, I was uh, it was super cool to see Emilio Nava playing at a very steady level, which definitely isn't his, his strength so far on, in his early days as a pro. Obviously, uh, a great win over Pospisil. Uh, also, Blumberg, I was, you know, sort of uh, wondering about whether he was even going to play singles anymore. Like, he's 16-1 on, on, on the doubles this year uh, since since graduating. Won ATP Newport with uh, Jack Sock and then these three challenger titles with Max, Max Schnur. He also has one loss with, with, with Schnur in recent weeks. Uh, and... Uh, First, someone uh, told me that, 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 you know, that he talked to Blumberg and that he was going to try to play singles in 2022. And then yesterday there was that, uh, I, I don't know anything about college tennis. Was it like ITA fall championships, something like that? And Blumberg was actually on talking on uh, on the broadcast with Alex Graskin, and he told him that he was gonna focus on singles in 2022, and that giving up after three matches would be crazy. Uh, so I'm glad that we're on the same page regarding this. <laughs> yeah, I hope he definitely tries. Um, I hope it's not gonna be to like a Frederick Nielsen level where he's <laughs> not playing main tour events when he's the ranking to uh, to play. You know, I. TS and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, what, what he has the opportunity to, to get into a quality's draw, he should definitely try and take it. Um, yeah, should we go to match of the week and upset of the week? Sure. Yeah, as I speak, uh, I've, I realized that I forgot to pick an upset of the week, so I'm going to let you go first with that <laughs> one. That's a good tactic. Uh, I remember looking at the bookies, it was uh, Goncalo Oliveira over Francisco Serundo. And I don't know if I'm going to disagree with that. I mean, we, you, you mentioned uh, uh, always kind of, you know, not, not looking at Milojevic, uh, maybe in the right way. I mean, Milojevic compared to Oliveira is a, 
is a hell of a tennis player. Not not to yeah. give any, you know, not to cast any shade on Goncalo Oliveira, but I'm, I mean, most of the time, I'm not really impressed with his singles play. Uh, you know, he usually plays 50, maybe not anymore, but he used to play 50 weeks a year, and that was mostly how he got his ranking to be up high. And I respect that. He had some very high-quality wins. Uh, one against Jerzyanovic in Poznan kind of comes to mind, but never mind. I'm, I'm go- going off topic. But anyhow, that, that was a shocking win, really. And Oliveira played fantastic t- stuff, mostly. Uh, he was just really dominant with his forehand. That, that lefty game can be really tricky to face when he when he's on. Uh, and that, and that, that caught me off guard for sure. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with with a match that we, we already mentioned. I'm going to go with Daniel Masur over Oscar Ota in that first round. Uh, Masur has just lost so many first rounds this year and, and so many early outs. Um, I he, he was very low down my list of contenders um, if, if for that tournament, whereas Ota was quite high, even though he, he won the week before. So Masur beating Ota there was certainly a big, big surprise to me. Uh, what did you have for match of the week? Uh, I went with Bias Kicker, even though this was, you know, obviously my, my peak losing first round, so not, not exactly pleasant. By the way, it's 11-15 right now in the, or 15-11 for Jakub in the in the predictions competition. Yeah. yeah. I was hoping that, that Vukic is at least going to, to let me get back to three points behind, <laughs> but, nev- but never mind. Uh, anyhow, yeah, so Bias Kicker was just a very big... Uh, you know, dramatic thriller throughout. Uh, I saw someone saying that this was probably Kicker's best match after, um, I can't remember who it was, one of the Argentinian guys on Twitter, that this was, I think maybe Gonzalo Ferreira, but I, I, I sorry if I, sorry if I, if I'm saying uh, it, 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 you know, if I, if I mixed up the people, but anyhow, I think he said that this was probably Kicker's best match since, you know, since coming back from that match fixing ban. I don't know if I'd go that far, but I mean the, the level was really, really high. Um, probably the best match I've seen I've seen this week, and that's why I picked it as well. Uh, yeah, I decided to go for an Ekental semi-final. Max Cressy beating Tomasz Machac six three three six seven six. Uh, it was just a very high level one to one to a third set tiebreak. That's always exciting. We both had pretty big stakes in it, as as he was one of our picks. <laughs> Um, so, so, so I thought that was pretty exciting uh, as a match. Yep. Uh, so I guess we're gonna start previewing next week. Then I think we should probably start with Rowan, which yep. is the the biggest event out there, Challenger One Hundred. But honestly, Bratislava has a better draw to me. But uh, let's yes. let's uh, let's start with Rowan anyway. Uh, there's a top fifty player, Benoit Pair. Who for whom it's already his second challenger of the season. He played in Braunschweig in July, lost to hmm, he de- he definitely played Vitko Kriva. And did he defeat him? Um, uh, I, I believe that he beat him and, and then lost he to, yeah. lost to wait, no, no, so 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 he beat Andreotti and then lost to Kopshiva. Oh yes. In the second round. Yes. That is exactly right. Uh, yeah, and he has a he has a section with uh, Amri Laxonen as the as the other seed, so definitely not not too easy. Uh, I would say maybe other contenders could be Kerian Jacquet, who had a couple of nice runs this year. Alexander Richard as well, 
is going to be interesting to see because he had that uh, great run in Naples and then the the one the tournament one that, that came one week before where he pretty much only lost to Greek sport for, for three weeks. Uh, then we have the third seed, Iji Vesely, who's playing Manuel Guinard. That definitely doesn't have to be an easy first round. The other seed in his section is Antoine Oang. There's also uh, Andrei Kuznetsov, who's definitely seems to be somewhat on the rise. Uh, Radu Alpot is the seventh seed, and that's obviously someone that we look potentially looking as an ups- at as an upset alert. But he has a nice draw, playing a qualifier than either Steph- uh, Steven Diaz or Giovanni Pecci Pericard, so the uh, this year's uh, runner-up at the French Open or or, or semi-finalist. Can't remember if it was Fils or Pecci Pericard in the in the finals anyhow never mind and there's also Mikhail Emer in the as the fourth seat I think haven't actually checked that but I I think it's been some time since we've had Mikhail Emer on the challenger tour right can can you remember um oh, he yeah. played in he, June he, 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 he played Nottingham yeah yeah so one one, one, one challenger event this this year I mean, he lost first round, so that's why I don't I don't remember him. Yeah. Obviously, Emer is a lot better indoors than on grass, so he also could be a contender here. Uh, Richard Gasquet is the second seed; hasn't really done well in the in the last few challengers he plays. Uh, he played, but th- that's a pretty nice draw for him as well. After Lorenzo Giustino, he plays Julian Canina, still playing with the protected ranking, or Artur Cazot, who kind of slowed down, but had a couple of nice runs in Portugal 25Ks. And the other seed in that section is Hugo Grenier. Uh, there's also Andrea Pellegrino, who's kind of, you know, either a first round exit or a big run, and he's he's playing a qualifier. Uh, if I don't know if there was something to... Yeah, the, I mean, in the qualities, again, we've got these very interested, talented Frenchmen. Luca Vanasho won, defeated Alexis Gauthier yesterday and is going to play Calvin Emery, uh, who, who possibly can be in very good form as well. We remember him reaching that quarters, was it, in, in, in Sibiu, uh, where he played that fantastic match against Kokinakis. Honestly, if we, uh, if we talk about... Uh, our our favorite matches of the year at the beginning uh, you know in the off season or something then then I'm gonna mention that for sure and there's also Gabriel Deb Debris I guess I, I have no idea how to read it but he's a he's a 15 year old I believe yes he's 15 from France uh, and he defeated Philip Philip Christian Giannou, uh, oh, wow. in the opening rounds. He's gonna play Vladislav Orlov as well, so that actually there's a very good chance that he makes the uh, that he makes the main draw. And uh, I I haven't really heard about him before, but apparently he he also he also played the uh, boys singles event at the French Open and already showed showed a lot of premise. Serves kind of big for his age, from what I read. Uh, but honestly, haven't seen haven't seen him yesterday against Giannou. Uh, yeah. So what do you what do you think? Yeah, first of all, 15, that's insane. Uh, beat Giannou. Uh, well, yeah, I'll definitely try and watch his um, final qualifying round there. Uh, but yeah, to, to the main draw, I think that there's many interesting sort of contenders. There's some uh, sections that are more more uh, uh, open, I would say. The, the third section with Emer and, and Albot, I would say, is pretty open. Uh, Gasket and Novak would be a very intriguing quarterfinal to watch. Um, but I'm going. I'm going kind of for for a weird pick here, maybe because he's not in the best form. But Yirji Vesely, 
the third seed. He's, he's not had a great couple of weeks on, on the carpet, but won Muir on Le Captif, um, made the semis in, in Orleans. So maybe back back in France on the on the indoor hardcore should be good for him. The the draw is is sort of sneakily difficult. Ginard can be hard. Kuznetsov can be, can also be a, a tough out. But yes, Vesely is my pick. I don't hate it honestly. I mean, I I remember watching that match against Cressy this week and thinking that Vesely's baseline game was actually really good. Um, for the most part, at least until until it broke down, maybe. But uh, but in in Wallerone Captive, that the title he won, uh, he he really impressed me with the consistency that he had, and I I saw some glimpses of it in Ekental as well. I definitely don't hate the pick. I was looking at Gabriel Debris' uh, run at the <laughs> at the at the, at the boys singles event at Ron Garros, and that's why I absolutely forgot that I also don't have a, uh, not also, but uh, that I don't have a pick for this one. <laughs> but anyhow, he reached the third round uh, there, which is uh, which is pretty huge at his age. Anyhow, I think I'm gonna go for Andy Laxonen. This sort of seems. Seems right. Uh, he's been playing very well in the in in the, in the past few weeks as well. Uh, I don't trust Benoit Per naturally. I don't think anyone can yeah. blame me for this. He also um, historically, I mean, season-wise, let's say, uh, top fifty players haven't done anything in challengers this year. Dan Evans was the best <laughs> showing, I think, and he went to the quarters in Nottingham. Uh, obviously, not. Yeah. It's not really enough to to be any sort of a trend. It's just um, uh, a couple of unrelated happenings. But I mean, Benoit Per is is not someone I really trust, even against Constant Lestin. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Per don't really trust him. Laxon, I think, is a very good pick. I, I, I yeah. Um, I'm going to be worried about that one. I think <laughs> as as the week goes on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, should, should we go to Bratislava? Uh, yep, Bratislava is the second biggest event we have this week, the Challenger 90. It's an event we both attended in the past, and I think we're both really regretting that we're not. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was very close to to trying uh, go there last minute, um, but uh, uh, I mean the trains are just so expensive because uh, because I, I would need to take a train to Manchester from Glasgow. Mm -hmm. Uh, the flights are cheap. The flights are literally ten pounds round trip right now, um, <laughs> because of all the testing that, that I need to do uh, to go. Oh, but okay. um, yeah, just just didn't work out for me in the end. But but, but I, when the draw came out, I, I got this sort of FOMO feeling, and I was like, oh, I need to be there. I need to go. Yeah, uh, I looked at the draw and I was like, Jesus, why am I not there? But then I figured that most of the players that I want to see will be, I mean, most of them, some of them will be in Helsinki as well. Uh, yeah. So I'm not as, you know, I, I, I maybe it would actually make no sense to go there and then to go to Helsinki. But I mean, Bratislava is, it's a great event. Maybe, maybe some other year. Uh, I, yeah, so, so the, there's, there's just so many good first round match, matches here and it starts right off the top. We've got Stefano Travaglia, the top seed, playing Zdenek Kolasz. Then possibly a second round matchup against Cem Ilkel, which could be huge as well. Then Martere Rodionov face off against Marchenko Brody. That's again two, two very exciting opening round matches. We've got Carlos Taberner, you know, probably not really a factor on uh, on uh, indoors, but he he has a, he's in a very interesting section as well with guys like Filip Orański, Lukasz Laczko. So, Possibly Slovak hopes to 
to do something in this event. Thomas Mahach is in there as well. Uh, the, then there's the fifth seed, Alex Molchan, who was absolutely fine indoors in, Berga in Bergamo this week. Uh, I think he's constantly proving that that, that he's not going to be a clay one trick. Also, he's very, very close to the top 100 right now as well. I think he would have gotten it with a title in Bergamo uh, or maybe with a final. No, I think with a title. I think he needed one more one more win other, other than that, uh, that one against Rune. Then there's Norbert Gombosch, who's always, you know, we're always looking at in these in these Slovakian events, and he's playing against Damir Jumkur, who was the runner-up two years ago, if I remember correctly. And yes, yeah. Yeah, there's also another first-round cracker between Joao Souza and Daltuk Bilek. And the, the, the last section also keeps on giving, because obviously Stakowski Lehechka still box office viewing even though Stakowski is not is not exactly uh playing his best tennis at the moment obviously finishing his career very very soon uh Greek sport has a very easy section which might give him a chance to actually succeed again I don't know how high his motivation will be after going for that history uh, but he has Lukas Pokorny, uh, a Slovakian wildcard, which I can't really tell you much about. Probably you'll be able to say something. And then a qualifier or Lukas Palovic. Uh, but there's there's also Kasper Zuk and Gilles Simon in that section, playing an, in another first round that you should definitely watch if you have the time. Uh, I guess in the qualies we've got Dalibor Scina, Alexander Shevchenko, Šompor Piroš, a couple of players that could that could also be a factor here especially if they draw palovic or or just give a very tough match to anyone of ilka lachko or mahach uh yeah what do you make of this yeah i mean i'm i'm gonna open up my little silver corner here uh with the wild cards and and all of that i think <laughs> in a moment but yeah i mean it's it's a very interesting draw so many so so many good first rounds to to watch uh, I'm really worried about about Gombosh in that first round against Jumhur. Um, he, he's he's uh, the head-to-head -head is four to two for Jumhur there, um, and he he actually beat him in the last meeting in Davis Cup in Bratislava. Jumhur did, so that's concerning. Uh, when it comes to wild cards, Lukas Pokorny is the one that I know the best. Uh, I haven't played him, uh, but 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 I saw him a lot. Um, he he was a ball kid at one point, I think, at the event. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Palovic, I actually don't know that much about because he's from the East, so I, I haven't seen him that much. Uh, Milos Karol, I played. He's in the qualifying and beat Ergi Kirkin. Uh, and I, I thought I was very impressed by by him there because um, he really wasn't that much of a prospect like, like at the point that when I played him. Um, I, I mean, he absolutely murdered me. Uh, but like in the in the grand scheme of things, he wasn't in like the top ten of of you know the the under fourteens or whatever level we played at that time. Uh, and he sort of got there over time. His his ground strokes are very impressive. The the second set, he kept himself in it with his serve when the ground when when the ground stroke serve went out. Uh, so I'm certainly curious about him uh, facing Shevchenko. Um, yeah, Pokorny Greek sport. We'll, we'll see if Greek sport plays. I'm I'm certainly curious to to see if he plays. Looking at the draw, he probably does because it's a very easy quarterfinal for him there. Uh, with all due respect to to Pokorny and Palovic, I don't think that they're going to be really uh, that much of a factor. But yeah, um, also also wanted to mention doubles. We have Nadia Privara, 
who both lost first qualifying round. Pribara is, is a very big prospect. He, he was um, the number one in the under-16s for Europe uh, last year. He's only 17, so, so they play doubles together. We also have Miloš Karol and Lukáš Pokorný playing Balkov and Zielinski, which should be a very interesting match. Um, and then we have Lukáš Palovic playing with Krištof Minárik, who's, who's a bit older. Uh, he's 20, but he, he was the best prospect in my year, but just never really sort of panned out in the juniors and didn't get it going in the future. So I don't think that he plays that many tournaments at this point. Um, but yeah, looking at contenders, it's very difficult because almost everybody has a tough first round. That second section with Tabener, Machach, Latsko, I'm sort of intrigued. Like, do I go for somebody there? Latsko has obviously won this tournament before, um, but I'm not sure if I trust him. Uh, God, there's so many possibilities. I'm going to go for Alex Molchan here. Um, obviously, it's not an easy section, and I would like to go for Gombos, but that first round is very difficult for him, I think. Uh, even on indoor hard, so Mochan is my pick. Yeah, I was sort of 50-50 on my pick. Uh, I think it was going to be Molchan, but since I actually have to make up a lot of ground, I'm going to go with Thomas Mahach, who was the, the other person I I, uh, I thought about. Uh, not not exactly thrilled about Mahach Lachko, but I mean, at this stage of Lachko's career, I would consider Mahach the favorite to win this. And if he does, the, the draw kind of you know, eases up on him. Uh, but Molchan, Molchan was probably like just I, I had him as a bit of a tiny a tiny edge over Mahaj but since I have to make up for these points I'm gonna try to go out on a limb and say and say Thomas Mahaj here um yeah Molchan's section is just is just quite good until the quarters and he just seems I mean I, then again Ramanathan indoor hard who knows so many good first round matches matchups like I, I, I I'm not even like regretting not going for the weekend or something. I don't care about the weekend. I would love to be there Monday and Tuesday. That, that's that's where the fun, you know, is is going to be in in Bratislava this week. Uh, yeah. So should we should we go to to the next event then? I think this would be maybe Ortise right now, just to finish off yep, Europe. Sure. Yeah. So the top seed is Oscarote coming off these these carpets. Uh, interesting carpet events. Ortise is always uh, very, very fast as well, if I if I remember correctly. So that's maybe kind of surprising that that Rosenkrantz lost coming coming back to him. Uh, but but uh, Oscar Otte could be a factor as well, although he's playing Roberto Marcora, who also had a couple nice runs at these Italian indoor hardcore events in the past. Uh, I think he was runner up when Sinner won his first challenger. Uh, in that section, there's also Mark Andrea Wester, who's once again also also going to be really tough if 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 Ote Wester happens. Uh, some interesting contenders there, like uh, Gianmarco Moroni or Ryan Peniston, but I'm not sure how they can fare in these in these faster conditions. Uh, Emilio Gomez playing Jack Draper, kind of surprising that Gomez is here. I, uh, I guess you know the 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 American circuit is usually where he. Where he shows up, if if not on clay in in, in South America, uh, but Draper is actually looking a lot better in recent weeks. So maybe he can do something there. Then there's fifth seed Fernando Gallo, uh, Federico. Obviously, what am I even talking about? Uh, ah, because I was looking at Fernando Verdasco, 
uh, lower. Uh, anyhow, Federico Gaia is playing Nicola Kuhn. Uh, very exciting matchup, maybe not on indoor hard necessarily, but we shall see. Dominic Stricker is in that section as well and should have a, a decent underdog chance. Uh, then in the bottom half, we've got Fernando Verdasco as the sixth seed. Uh, and a fairly decent section. He starts against Vitaly Sachko. And Quentin Alice is the other is the other seed with uh, with three next to his name, and he's starting as one of the most talented Italian youngsters, Luca Nardi, who's I guess sort of his progress has sort of gone a bit slower this year than we could expect, probably. And there's an absolute blockbuster right at the bottom there with Maxim Cressy playing Tim Van Rijthoven. Uh, that's gonna be very cool to see. In, the, in these fast conditions. Probably not many contenders in their sections, honestly. Like the, the guy that the guy that wins this match could very easily go far in this. Uh maybe from the from the qualities, there are a couple of guys like Philippe Mesolic who's constantly playing well. Lucas Midler has, has made a couple of good runs in recent weeks. Uh I'm also always looking at Tobias Simon that that player who pretty much has a serve and, and next to nothing else, but but <laughs> I think it's actually in Ortisei where he broke that that record that we talked about last week. Uh, this, oh right, yeah. 52, 52 aces in a free set match. Uh, no. I believe that was Ortisei. Yes, that was Ortisei three years ago. So yeah, what do what do you think? Yeah, it's difficult. I've, I've chosen a pick that is kind of uh, outside of the box here. I'm, I'm looking at Ota. Uh, it, it's it's a, it's not the easiest section backing it. He, said he, he lost first week, first week, first round last week. Sorry. Um, so how high is my confidence in him? Cressy, obviously, this is a very fast event, but he wasn't fully fit after that. Semigas Makhach. Uh, plays Van Rijthoven in the first round. Uh, I mean, uh, Halis is somebody considered quite strongly, but I don't trust him. <laughs> Never trust him. So I'm going to go for Dominic Stricker, um, who I, I really like his first two rounds there. Um, and I mean, his whole section, I, I think that it's very doable for him to make the semifinals here. Um, he, he, had a, he had a solid week last week, making the quarters. Um, so maybe this is when he breaks through here. Um, yeah, Dominic Stefan Stricker, my pick. Quite bold. It's gonna really hurt me if that works out because I, I'm a big fan, honestly. But I'm gonna <laughs> just play the odds uh, and go for Oscar Ota. Uh, he's got the easier draw of, well, maybe not the easier draw, but the easier first round matchup of Ota Cressy. And I just figured I'd go for a high seat here just to try to make up for these points. I mean, I still have like, because the tour ends in December this year, I still have like six weeks? No, five weeks, probably. No, or six. Yeah, it's, six. It's, I think it's five. Six, really? Uh, I think the last event starts 13th of December, the last two. So, so it's actually wow. six weeks, which is absolutely uh, unprecedented as far as I know. Uh, but anyhow, yeah, that's gonna be my pick. Uh, Oscar Rote, and uh, for you, it was um, oh Jesus, uh, Dominic Stricker, obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah, do you want to go to Montevideo or to Knoxville right now? Let's go to Knoxville. 
Yeah, another one with very uh, interesting first round matchups, although they start a bit lower in the draw because Tennis Sandgren is the top seed and he's playing uh, Peter Polanski. Uh, then we've got wildcard Emilio Nava again, and that could be a cracker of a second round because Nava is playing a qualifier. Sorry, well, he'll be sort of expected to, to come through there. Uh, there are two more qualifiers in that section and also Bienfratangelo, the eighth seed. That's when we start with our cracking first round matchups and we've got Vasek Pospisil against Christopher Eubanks. Uh, the other seed, JJ Wolf, also has a fairly tough draw against Christian Harrison. Uh, in the bottom half, there's Dimitri Popko as the seventh seed. Uh, you know, lost to Vukic last week, but I don't know if, how that actually speaks about his form. And there's a rematch for the Charlottesville final there. Vukic Kozlov. So Vukic, if he wins this time, he could he could progress to play Popko. Uh, I mean, obviously that's kind of pending with draws. I don't know if if both Vukic and Kozlov are gonna play it, but so far they're they're in the draw. If Vukic, I mean Vukic probably should. Kozlov is more likely to withdraw after two very long weeks. Uh, Mitchell Kruger is also in that section and has a very decent start against Tatsuma Ito. Uh, then there's that there's you know just box office, office viewing again between Jack Sock and Alexander Kovacevic. Uh, Mikhail Torpegard is there as well, but I don't think Knoxville is in the is in Ohio, right? So uh, yeah, it's, it's in Tennessee. It's in Tennessee, so. yeah. So Torpegard is not a factor. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we have also Daniel Altmaier as the as the second seed which is going to be quite exciting because he hasn't done that well in these American events. We, we sort of wondered why he even went, why, why he even went here because he made that, you know, he, 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 he went to South America, then chose to go to the States. He's sort of indecisive, still chasing yeah, he, after that top 100, but. He's been all over the place. Uh, I'm not really sure what he's doing. <laughs> um, I mean, like, like we were saying that he's chasing the top 100, uh, which is a, a big goal for him at the end of the year here. But he's really just not, not chosen a path and, and stuck with it. He's, he's you know, <laughs> went to Lima, lost second round, went to Indian Wells, won a first round, but, but then lost. Bogota lost second round, then went to Vegas, lost second round. I mean, I, I don't really see him as much of a favorite here in Knoxville, to be honest. Yeah, he should be he should be in some South America, honestly. Uh if, yeah. if you ask me. And in the qualities, we've got a couple of nice names as well. Alexis Galarno, uh, who had that great win over Altmaier, actually, in, in Bogota, I think, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but obviously he's at his best on hard courts. Uh, then also Donald Young, maybe he can do something because he's playing Johannes Monday, by the way, fantastic name, fantastic <laughs> tennis name. Uh, I really love the guy. He's a college player as well. Uh, and uh, the, the qualities matchup that you should definitely see today is Aiden McHugh, Rinki Hijikata. That's like, I mean, I don't know if, if anyone is as excited <laughs> for this as I am, but McHugh has been uh, so good in recent weeks, having that great match against Kozlov where he wasted eight match points, but it was very high level. And Hijikata is just winning ITFs, uh, you know, just, just whatever he wants on the ITF tour, he's pretty much winning this year. And, and that's going to be definitely very a very high standard of play. Uh, yeah, what, what are you looking at in this draw? Well, I, I really, really wanted to pick JJ Wolf, um, 
but it's it, it's a tough section. I mean, it's, it's it's a difficult section. So I'm thinking I'm going to reprise my pick from last week and pick Jack Sock again. Obviously, Kovacevic, very tough first round, but outside of that, Altmaier, Kwiatkowski, Torbegat, I, I think that he should make the semi out of that section. Uh, and then we'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, Kozlov Vukic, very exciting. Um, Sandgren retired, when was that, two weeks ago uh, in the first round in Vegas. So I guess we'll see what sort of form he's in uh, against Polanski. Uh, as, as, you, as you said, Emilio Nava, I'd be very happy if he gets through here. And yeah, Fertangelo is somebody that, I, that I've picked a couple of times, I think. Uh, but the form has been... It's, it's been tough because last week he lost to Kozlov. Uh, the week before he lost to Escobedo in three tie breaks. Um, so it's, it's hard to knock him for those losses. But this is going to be a potential redemption for him in my books. But yeah, I'm picking Sock. Yeah, I fully agree with you. And I'm going to go with Birfetaggio. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the top seeds, I just don't trust them at all. Sok Kovacevic, I think it's fairly even uh i would say sock is probably a slight favorite but uh, whoever wins that likely gets to the semis uh but but then again i mean for me it's a it's probably somewhat like a coin toss so i i really don't want to peek out of this uh, i know that the guys from the qualities i just mentioned aren't aren't good enough to win the whole event probably uh jj wolf that's that was my other option but he was kind. He looked kind of drained in that in that semi. Also had a couple of of really long weeks. Uh, I I I really thought of Sandgren, but but that retirement sort of steers me away from it. And I'm just gonna take a page out of your playbook and yeah. go. Yeah, I just wanted to quickly uh, point out a really nice doubles matchup here. Um, in the first round in Knoxville, we have Blumberg and Max Schnur um facing uh, who they're actually unseated in this event and they're facing the second seeds uh Tred Huey and Frederick Nielsen a couple of veterans of the of the doubles tour so that's if, if you're if you're an enjoyer of challenger doubles that's definitely something you should be watching do you know who Blumberg and Schnur beat this week in the final did, did they actually beat Huey and Huey yeah Nielsen? they, they beat Huey and Nielsen yes <laughs> exactly uh, so yeah, I mean that that's even one more reason to to, to check it out, I suppose. Uh, yeah, uh, so we've got only Montevideo left, right? Uh, yeah. Another uh, South American event, slightly weakened because two of the guys are at the next gen finals, uh, <laughs> but we've got so many Argentinians here. You wouldn't say it's the Uruguay Open, even. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Federico. Yeah, there, there, there's there's no Pablo Cuevas. Um, yes. I'm kind of. Yeah. Uh, and he's gonna play. Uh, that that was super surprising to me. And and he's gonna play uh, a challenger next week, I believe. Uh, Campinas, yes, Campinas. He's the sixth seed, and then he's gonna. Well, that's go the to root of him, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sort of. He he even won this event in the past, right? Uh, I I, I really don't what, know what else is he doing this week? Come on. <laughs> It, it, it give, was give really the, the Uruguayan at the Uruguayan Open. Yeah, he won the, uh, the Uruguay Open three times. Uh, 2009, 2014, 2017. If I remember correctly, in 2019, he lost to Serundola early, but I mean, that's probably another reason to skip it. And you have there's the top seed Federico Coria playing Andrea Colarini. Doesn't have to be easy at all. 
uh then there's another great hold on a second hold, hold on just a moment yeah um this seems to be right Colarini has a 10 to 2 head-to-head over Federico Correa what <laughs> 10 to 2 what I I don't it, it's resulting information so I don't know if no I mean is... I, I I just checked it on on another website as well I mean yeah th- these are actually so let, let let me count eight ITF matches and seven of them came between 2011 and 2013. And in these seven matches, uh, Colarini beat Korea six times. Then Colarini got him two, twice more uh, in challengers, one, one time in Montevideo, Montevideo. And then Korea won another one in Montevideo. And then they also played one, two more times, uh, one in challengers, one on the ITF tour. Ha- that is has, insane. Haven't played in <laughs> four years. Wow. Yeah, also apparently Colarini used to represent uh, the United States, which I actually did not know about really? at all. No. I mean, that, that, that's what it says in, in the first uh, three uh, matches here. He, he apparently started representing Argentina in 2012. Wow, he, did. He, was, he was representing Argentina until 2010, then chose to represent the States for three years. Oh wow! That's, no, that that's the that's yeah. We're, we're finding out some crazy information here yeah. in the Montevideo preview. <laughs> Absolutely, that, that 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 is my first time hearing of this as well. Uh, but but when he reached that French Open Juniors final, he was I believe he was, uh, I believe he was Argentinian, right? Or 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 am I just talking some? Well, so 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 if he if he was Argentinian until 2010, then then he would be. But he, that was in 2010, I think. That's why I'm, he, uh, oh. and I believe it was an Argentinian one against Velotti, but maybe, maybe I, I, I don't know. No, he was actually representing the states at that point. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, yeah, cool. Anyhow, yeah, that that that's completely new info to me. Uh, I guess perhaps that's another reason to put Korea on upset alert here. Uh, <laughs> then we then we have a first round between Barrios Vera and Puccinelli de Almeida. So a very tough second round as well for, for whoever gets through Coria Colarini. In that section, there's also Tiago Tirante and Juan Pablo Varias. So just, you know, whoever, pick whoever you want section, kind of. Then we have third seed Facundo Bagnis, who uh, hasn't, you know, hasn't really played well in the past few weeks, but he's going to have a good start here because he's facing a qualifier and then a qualifier again. Uh, and there's also Ugo Delian uh, as the seventh seed in that section. Uh, quite interesting showing from Skatov, who's gonna play last week's winner Tabilo in the in the first round. I don't think we've had Skatov in these South American events so far, right? I think he was still in like uh, what was it, Ten- Tenerife or something like that? Yeah, he yeah. yeah. So last week he was in Tenerife and he won three games against Chelipi, like so. I guess he wanted to switch it up. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he does in, in South America here. Then in the bottom half, we've got Francisco Serundolo playing Londero. You know, a year ago, it would have been a great first round matchup. Right now, Serundolo should probably be expected to win, but who knows? Uh, some in the, in the dangerous contenders there as Hernan Casanova and Felipe Meligeni Alves as well. But the other seed in his section is Diago Monteiro. Uh, he starts against Renzo Olivo. Again, probably a matchup that must have happened like once or twice but but probably not as much as uh yeah f- actually olivo leads the head to head for yeah. one <laughs> uh against monteiro that's another one that that comes as a surprise 
Uh, not as many matches as Colarini Korea, but I mean, maybe something to, to think about before their match. Uh, and then in the very bottom section, we've got Jaume Munar, who lost in the opening round last week and has you know, a pretty tough one again uh, against Facundo Mena. There's also Thomas Martin Echeverry, who's suddenly doing well again. Uh, and I mean, some some very dangerous Argentinians there, uh, Camilo Gocarabelli, Guido Andreozzi, and uh, I can't remember if Pedro Cacin did anything in recent weeks. He he had uh, like this injury break, right? And mm. I guess I guess he was sort of unlucky in his last two draws. He lost to Juan Manuel Serundolo in the second round, winning a set, and then Sebastian Paez in the first round, winning a set. So maybe Cacin could be a factor as well. Possibly, yeah. Um, yeah, this, this is a very interesting draw, especially with the Coria Colorini info that we found that we found out about. That first section to me is just very stacked. I want to stay away from it. Um, as as always, I feel like I pick him every week, but Echeverri is calling my name uh, <laughs> in in that section. Uh, Munar, not to be entirely trusted, I don't think. Uh, and I feel like he's he's the best Argentinian of all the other Argentinians in that section. Uh, I'm thinking about Facundo Bagnis because those are really nice, you know, getting two qualifiers in a row, especially when the qualifiers don't seem to be uh, amazing. It's really good. Uh, but, you know, potentially Tabilo, potentially Dayen, even though he wasn't great last week. Yeah, I don't think you should go for Bagnis, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to leave Bagnis potentially to you, and I'm going to go for Echeverri once again. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I, I, I respect that pick. He's Trevor is, is definitely in it to win it. I uh, although I, I I don't know, it just seems too tough. Hugo Carabelli, then then one of the bottom four guys, whoever wins is gonna be uh, is not gonna be easy. Then either maybe there's Serendol or Monteiro, that's kind of scary for me. And I'm gonna go with Facundo Bagnis, just you know, just play on the odds that he probably gets to the quarters, and from the quarters, maybe he can win it even though recent weeks haven't been great, but the, the bottom half seems kind of more stacked. So uh, so it seems logical for me to go for Bagnis. Thank you for leaving him to me. I, or, or maybe I'll, I, I'll decide next week if I'm actually going to thank you or not. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't actually know that yet. We're going to see how, how it goes. Uh, yeah, and before we go, maybe you should also give a brief mention to the uh, to the next gen finals because most of these guys we've been following this year most of these guys we've been watching on the challenger tour i think we can adopt uh the next gen finals as a bit of a challenger event i mean every single one of them played corda probably did no corda won that early in the season he won in quimper right so so uh, every yeah. single one of these guys played a challenger at some point this year uh am i right yes i i have to be yeah. Uh, Alcaraz played in Oeiras, yes. Uh, so, so, so I mean that they've been some some were challenger players for pretty much all the season, like Serudolo, Baez, or Gaston, and some like Nakashima, Alcaraz, Corda, Musetti barely played it. But I mean, uh, yeah. What do you think of the the groups? How they they're balanced? Who is the favorite to to win this event? Um, yeah, there's certainly interesting groups. We, we did have some, some players pulling out, Oja Aliasim, Siner, and Brooksby, I think, were the three yep. that pulled out, right? Yeah. Um, so we, we, we have Group A with Carlos Alcaraz, Brandon Nakashima, Juan Manuel Serundolo, and Holger Rune. Um, 
certainly very interesting. Alcaraz and Nakashima to me are the top two contenders. So, so for them to be in the same group, uh, should be very interesting to get the matchup early on and then potentially in the final as well. Group B, we have Corda, Musetti, Baez, and Gaston. Um, uh, Gaston had, had like a like a highlight that, that I remember seeing from, from last week in, in Paris. Uh, I believe when he played the Rinderkrieg, I think. Is that right? Yeah, later he lost to Medvedev and then came like very close to taking a set. Yeah, so 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 maybe Gaston as as the eighth seed could actually come through here, I think, because Baez on indoor hard, I'm not really sure what it's going to be like. And Musetti has sort of fallen off a cliff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so that's probably my my semis predictions is uh, Alcaraz, Gaston, and Korda, Nakashima, maybe. So it, it, it certainly should be very exciting. Um, it'll be weird to see some of the guys that we're used to seeing on clay, like Serundolo and Baez, uh, try and play here on, on indoor hard. Uh, yeah, how, how do you see this, this tournament going? It's cool that they made the trip. I mean, I, I, I was low-key expecting guys like Serundolo or Baez to pull out, but... Uh, you know, it, it's, it's great that they're here because the event is just so much better with them. It's a shame that Brooksby had to draw. Uh, yeah. It's hard to disagree with your semis predictions, honestly. Like, Alcaraz seems just that tiny bit above everyone else here. It's not like he's mm-hmm. a lock to win it. I mean, it's also fa- the fast four format and etc. So, so maybe it gets a little bit more random. But, I mean, he, he just seems ahead of everyone else. Uh, Nakashima Rune is probably you know, the match to decide the, the second spot in the in, in group A. And Korda has to like his draw. I mean, uh, Musetti in fast indoor hard conditions isn't great. He can easily be rushed. Baez and Serundolo actually played, I think they both played one match indoors in their careers. So very much question, you know, under a question mark how they will even fare here. But it, as I as I said, it's it's great that they're here. So so yeah, I'm I'm pretty much looking at the at the same people as potential as potential threats. It's a little bit of a sh- I mean for us maybe not, but uh, for Flavio Cobaldi, it's a shame that there's no Italian wildcard anymore. Yeah, I mean I yeah. like I like transparency of rules. I wonder when he well obviously he wasn't officially appointed that hey we're gonna give you the wildcard, but I mean he could have been expecting it sort of. After, after like in in the past three editions, like 2019, obviously the wildcard went to Sinner, but he was also the first alternate. Uh, you know, if he didn't get it, but in 2017 and 18, it was Gianluigi Quincy and Liam Caruana. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the, mean, the, the, way more out of the out of the box. Um, I, I, like, like like how. I don't remember seeing anything about whether there's, whether, whether there's going to be a wildcard or not. I sort of just assumed there's going to be one. And when mm-hmm. the draw came out, I was a bit surprised. Um, so it is kind of Yeah, I think there was, at weird. some point, the Next Gen Finals made like an, a very ambiguous post on Twitter that sort of made people think that maybe there's no wildcard this time. I think it was mm-hmm. something about who who's qualifying and who's not. Uh, but but it wasn't really announced anywhere, which was weird. But I guess maybe they figured that Sinner and Musetti have qualified, so that's why there's not going to be, you know, that's why there's not going to be. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, um, I, I, I imagine. Uh, so because I believe in the previous years there wasn't really 
a, a situation like that? The, the, the... No, no. I mean, especially when, when Quincy was playing it, he was like way out compared to everybody else. I think Caruana was even further away, right? Yeah, yeah. Is Caruana even playing this year? No, he, he actually hasn't played the match this year. Yeah, I mean, and neither is Quincy. He's he's retired, Quincy, right? Quincy has retired, yes. But Quincy was, you know, a huge a huge talent in juniors. He he won a couple yeah. of challengers, maybe maybe one challenger, maybe I'm maybe I'm giving him too much, but but he definitely <laughs> won a challenger in singles as well. And Caruana Caruana was is, is is probably the weirder of these wildcards. Quincy won two of them actually straight after he so sort of straight. I mean, the year after he played the next gen finals. So for a while there, he was actually going uh, going very well. Uh, anyhow, I guess that's what we're going to finish at. We're going to be here with you next week to talk about Rohan Helsinki. Yeah, Helsinki. No, no, not Helsinki. Rohan, Bratislava, uh, Knoxville, Montevideo. Yeah, and Ortisei. Oh, yeah. Uh, I figured them all out. Yeah, I, I I I had Helsinki in my mind because if everything goes right, then next week we're gonna I'm gonna be recording the episode from uh, from Helsinki. But but we shall see. I mean, what, what can go wrong? Uh, you know, I've got everything set for so uh, I don't know. I, I can just get killed on the way or something like that, or or get lost in in Finland. Hopefully not. Um. <laughs> Hopefully not. Um, the 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 latter option, getting lost in Finland, is likely more probable. Uh, but anyhow, thank you, thank you for listening, and see you next week. Bye. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hope all of you enjoyed today's ATP Challenger breakdown from hosts Damian Kust and Jakob Bobro. A huge thank you to them, as always, for contributing to this show. I say it every week. I'm going to say it again now. No two people follow the action happening at the Challenger level more closely than Damian and Jakob. So a thank you to them for contributing to this show. A thank you to them for all of the work they do for us tennis fans. Of course, we've got a lot of, a lot of other fun things planned here at Crack Rackets over the next few weeks and months. Our college contender series getting ready to get underway. We're going to break down our top 10 men's and women's teams heading into the 2022 season. We're going to talk about the final events at the tour level happening here in 2021. Of course, as soon as that action is over, we'll shift into off-season mode, start previewing 2022, name our most intriguing players heading into the season. Rest assured, the tennis may be slowing down. We are not here at Crack Rackets. A bunch of fun things planned over the next few months. So again, as always, thank you to all of you who tune in. If you've missed out on any of our content, you can find it all on the website, crackrackets.com. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Crack Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Leader and Daniel Westhoff, for the f- of an editing job they do day in, day out. With all of that said, for our host, Damien Kust and Jakob Babro, super producers, Fliegner and Westhoff, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot. 
and we'll see you all tomorrow with the GOAT, Colette Lewis. Thanks, everyone. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.